Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this on Tuesday, December 29th, 2020, two days shy of the new year. Uh, we did it, Jim. I worry by saying that now, what is the Gerald Butler film where did Greenland, where the, the asteroids are crashing down or not? Now, yes. we're going to, now that we well, said you'll that. you'll appreciate this, Jim, that I was sent that movie about six months ago or so by the studio. Oh. And I said, do not put this movie. I mean, it was, it was such a stressful watch when I watched it six months ago. And now it's out now. So you can all, everyone can get stressed out by Gerard Butler. Just know mm-hmm. that I did not, I said, don't, Wait until this is over before you put out this movie. So I tried, Jim. I tried. I have to admit, I was over the movie spoiler reading the storyline. It's like, nope, do not want. So we are two days shy from the end of 2020. I think I can speak with some confidence that there's a lot of people out there just like us who are happy to put 2020 in the review. The past 364 days. By the way, that, that just that. The fact that it was a leap year, so we got an extra day of pain. <laughs> Cherry on the Sunday. But anyway, okay, so admittedly, past 364 days has been a challenge. We got through it, though, folks. And with the arrival of the COVID-19 vaccine, things are a little hopeful as we head into 2021. But that said, the ripples of 2020 will be felt in 2021. Brings me to the news that just broke today about Boss Baby Family Business going from its March 26th release date to getting pushed all the way back to September 17th of this year? Yeah. you hear about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I also think it's very interesting because Universal has been full guns ablazing in terms of releasing things during the quarantine and also doing them on VOD, which we saw with Trolls, obviously, and now uh, Crude's A New Age is on VOD as well, so... Yeah, what this says a, to me is that things are not going to be immediately better, Jim. I like your optimism. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to 2021, but mm-hmm. this to me signals it's going to be a long spring and summer, no, probably. I agree. I agree. Now, what was kind of intriguing to me about this announcement was as they did this DreamWorks animation, The Bad Guys, which I guess had been slated to come out in September this year, got pushed back to 2022 and the bad guys is based on a series of a best-selling series of scholastic books. And we were just talking on the last show about dog man, also scholastic books. And out ahead of all of this was captain underpants, the first Epic movie or which DreamWorks released back in May of 2017, also scholastic books. Evidently DreamWorks and scholastic set up a strategic alliance back in December of 2002, and they only began going after the uh, rights to upcoming releases from Scholastic in June of 2008, and it took them more than a decade, but this move finally paid off, uh, not for Jeffrey Katzenberg, mind you, but for NBC Universal, because they bought DreamWorks in August of 2016 for, what, $3.8 billion and it was only then that the Scholastic movies started coming out and began making money for the company. Well, that um, also makes me think, you know, you and I always talk about, like, what is DreamWorks' role, basically, in Universal's mm-hmm. kind of overall strategy, because they also have Illumination, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about in a minute. But, you know, yep. having that Scholastic deal mm-hmm. and having those properties ready to go probably makes DreamWorks more desirable slash 
at least you know you're like you know we've talked about well, what is Blue Sky going to do in, in Disney? We don't know, but at least we know DreamWorks has these Scholastic titles ready to go and for the mm-hmm. next few years, which is great. So, how much of moving Boss Baby family business to September do you think is COVID related? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, like I said, it's just very surprising because they've been so forthright. Did you watch Crudes, by the way? I know you've got, you've been dealing with a lot of things in your life. Yeah, but. you know, to be on, and in fact, you know, we haven't talked about this in the show yet, but my dad passed away uh, back on December nineteenth, and. If I had known the funeral and wake stuff would be so complicated, I would probably try to talk my dad out of dying. And I was like, <laughs> look, this is very inconvenient. Can we find another way to do this? And But, yeah, I've seen a good chunk of crudes. I have seen – in fact, it's, it's the same thing with Wolfwalkers. The only thing I've managed to see all the way through, and when I say all the way through, I have to include the fact that I fell asleep for 15 minutes of it, was Soul. Probably not the best movie to watch after your father passes away. I'm just saying. Anyway, I promise I'll catch up on my viewing in the new year. And speaking of the new year, this is what I love about this industry. We got what a poster first, um, a, you know, a teaser poster for Sing 2 and yes. also casting news. Yes. Uh, so, and that's not due out in the theaters till more than a full year from now. What is it? Yes. December 22nd, 2021. Well, I mean, um, that poster was the definition of a teaser poster. <laughs> I mean, it was no, like, that's Buster, Buster Moon from behind peeking out a curtain. And it's right. just like, wow, okay. But at the same time, you know, that they announced that they've landed Bono as a mm-hmm. voice for this film. So kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, Bono, uh, Bobby Cannavale, who is, mm-hmm. Great. I mean, he does so many great voices. Pharrell Williams and Letitia Wright. So, pretty good. No, I agree. I agree. You know, and again, you know, I have to say that that uh, Sing, in a weird sort of way, became my default happy place, or at least a chunk of it. Whenever I was feeling especially blue, uh, we go on YouTube, and there's that wonderful moment from the movie where Mina the Elephant sings CD Wonders, "Don't You Worry About a Thing," and it's mm-hmm. just. It's it's a wonderful rendition of the song. It's a beautifully built scene, great animation, and it just I have watched it far too many times, which <laughs> kind of tells you about 2020. Right. Uh, all right. And as long as we're talking about sequels, what did you make of the news about Patrick Dempsey now officially coming back for the Enchanted sequel, Disenchanted? I didn't even know he was coming back, Jim. This is how I've actually unplugged from work for a few days. And this is the result, Jim. I'm just out of the loop. And I'm very happy that he's coming back. I mean, I thought he was great in the original. And, oh, he was. He was. You know, yeah, yeah I, I just, I'm I'm very excited that, that things seem to be moving in the right direction for this sequel. I mean, how long? That movie came out in 2007, Jim. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. You know, and... They've got Adam and Shankman lined up to, to direct thing. And, and in fact, this is his second high profile sequel for Disney. You, you did see he's also attached to Hocus Pocus too, right? Yes. Or, and I, I actually think he's a great choice for both properties. Okay. Um, I don't know how you feel about him, well, but I, he's great. I've liked what he's done in the past, but at the same time, I mean, Kevin Lima, did such a wonderful job with the first film, which really had to straddle the two worlds, had to had to deliver the animation stuff, which was 
an affectionate parody at the same time still work is a real you know real world fantasy set in new york what has kevin done since then you know there, there's been all of these things that he was supposed to do there was right I, I remember there was this project where he was supposed to i think it was 221 baker street the idea was it was a murder mystery set at the alleged address of sherlock holmes in in london where people act real people send letters to that address trying to get Holmes to help with their case. And of course there is no Holmes, but you know, the person who lives there decides to step in and it just seemed like, Oh, that sounds like a wonderful property for Kevin. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know. he obviously had monkeys in Mumbai that he was working on for a long time and <sighs> he put up all that amazing artwork and then DreamWorks yelled at him to take it down. So mm, you know, you we know. were lucky to get to see that when we did. And if you're talking about Kevin, you have to mention his lovely and equally talented wife, Brenda Chapman. And have we talked yet about Come Away? I think so, because I I spoke to her a few weeks ago about the movie and actually got a quote from her for my epic Rescuers Down Under piece, and she was very sweet. Um, we talked okay. a little bit after. I sent her the article, and she she was very kind. So that was that was lovely. But yeah, I, I really liked Come Away a lot. I thought it was really great. Now, this is the conceit of the boy who inspired Peter Pan or the, the girl who inspired Alice were yeah. real life brother and sister, or at least in yeah. this particular story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we've got Angelina Jolie as their mom. Is this yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, got, it's got a great cast and it's mm. very wonderful and, you know, has all the kind of little detail that you expect from a Brenda Chapman movie. The kids are all really great, which, you know, these movies can live or die with how annoying the children are, but they, they're really wonderful here. And yeah, I would recommend it if you get a chance to see it. I don't know where it is. is well, it on no, that's the, the other thing. Well, that's the thing that's making me crazy that, okay. So it has its world premiere at Sundance back in January. It's, released by Relativity Media in the States back in the middle of November. And I guess it just opened in the UK uh like a week or so ago. But I, I you know again I was just hammering on Google to try to find if it's still in theaters or more to the point if anybody's gonna be streaming it anytime soon and it it's nothing. It's nowhere. And it just It is on it's a pay VOD thing right now. So you can actually rent it or buy it. Oh um, on okay. different, yeah, but there's no streaming. And, and you know what? This would have really been a great Disney Plus movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw Black Beauty, Jim, but the, uh, the standards were not cleared on that, on that one. So I feel like this would have been a really smart choice for Disney. But, uh, you know, obviously they're working on their own Peter Pan movie and they've done Alice in Wonderland. So I can see why they wouldn't want to kind of step on their own toes, but I I get that. But again, it just, Brenda and Kevin do such great work and it's just sort of would be nice to have them have a home. Yeah. You know, where they could be producing stuff. Oh, uh, a couple things though, before we step away from talking about Disenchanted, they've just recently hired a new writer for the project. Her name is Bridget Hale. She worked on ABC's long-running hit Once Upon a Time. So ah. that, that kind of bodes well, you know, somebody who's already been working with fairy tale characters in the real world. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, She's what, all, the 150th writer to attempt? Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to take I a think number. I have a draft <laughs> that they need to circle back to. 
They'll be calling shortly, Drew. The other thing, though, I do want to point out, while we're talking about Disenchanted, we should also point out that Disenchantment, the Matt Groening uh, yeah. show, season three of that starts on Netflix on January 15th. And there's a brand new trailer for that just dropped. Keeping up with it, Jim? When season two dropped last year, I so enjoyed that. In fact, I want to say the standout of that season, there was the the sort of Selkie story, uh, the the one involving the the, the woman in the bear suit, um, right. that that I thought was especially good. But again, that starts next month in January, and, and which I guess we should take a moment to talk about. What's coming in 2021? Again, with the understanding and the caveat of we are heading into, uh, especially after the holiday period where, you know, so many people, against what the CDC said, traveled and hung out with family members and that sort of right. thing. And we're, we're seeing a crazy surge in regard to COVID. In fact, I, I don't know if you saw the, the projection that by the middle of January, we're going to potentially be at 400,000 deaths in the United States from this thing. Oh, my God. But again, that's why you listen to this show, folks. You want happy news, right? So, right, right. Um, I want to stress that this is the news as of today. These are the films that are supposedly coming out on, on these release dates. But remember what we saw happen last year with dozens of films getting release dates, either changed or shifted or things going to streaming or the like. Right. Uh, but anyway, February 26th, we're going to get our Tom and Jerry live action animated hybrid from Warners. But my understanding, again, that's uh, HBO Max and some theaters. Yes. OK. Then March 5th, we get Ray and the Last Dragon from Disney. You and I had talked about the premier access thing and, you know, how it was interesting that Mulan, the live action Mulan did this, but Seoul did not. But here we are, you know, Ray and the Last Dragon on March 5th. Again, premiere access on Disney Plus and in some theaters. And then, in theory, come April, uh, we're going to start to see the wide enough distribution of vaccines to the general public that you actually watch theater, you know, you watch the, the studio sort of, okay, I, I think we can confidently move things into theater. So April 2nd, we have Peter Rabbit, The Runaway from Sony. Uh, <laughs> so excited for that, Jim. I gotta, I, I'm just gonna break this up and say, I, I can't wait to see Peter Rabbit too. I thought that the first one was delightful. So I'm really I mean, excited. I enjoyed Corden's voice work in it. So it's just sort of like, this will be fun. On the other hand, we have the movie that Drew insists will never actually make it out into any theater. Uh, and that's the Bob's Burgers, the movie from Disney and, and 20th Century Studios. And after that, another project. In fact, I'm fascinated by the fact that these two are just two weeks apart. Ron's Gone Wrong from 20th Century Studios and Locksmith Animation distributed by Disney. What's your standing bet now between Bob Zerger's The Movies and Ron Gone Wrong? Well, I, did you, you know, see that they released a, a synopsis for Bob's Burgers The Movie? Granted, it was, this is the feature film based on the long-running animated series Bob's Burgers, but, Jim... It's one step in the right direction to this movie actually existing slash coming out. So, okay. all right, yeah, okay. Well, wrong and, gone wrong. I mean, I don't know. I, listen, both of those movies are Fox movies, and if you and I know anything, it's that they burned off Fox movies in a way. You remember that movie, The Empty Man, that came out this fall? 
that wasn't that didn't even have a trailer until a week before it was coming out in theaters. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen with these two. I'm saying it could happen though. So let's just keep an eye on that. Okay. And speaking of movies, we're keeping an eye on. <laughs> what about Rumble? Oh, that looks terrible. Yeah. Well, it, it, with a May 14th release date, I mean that's a week or so before that is when. Marvel's pushing out Black Widow. So what's fascinating to me is over the past four and five years, that's become where summer blockbuster season supposedly begins. So the fact that Paramount is putting this out there then suggests, okay, that they think there's money to be had there. Well, Uh, we talked about how the, you know, the other, the Skydance animation stuff is going to Netflix now. mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, By the way, I, I wanted to, to ask you about that, because you, you must have seen the news just last week about how supposedly there's a deal in the works now that Skydance Animation is supposedly selling Luck and... Oh, Spellbound. Blank. Spellbound. Yeah. That's with the Alan Menken score. Yeah. But the idea is that these were supposed to be released by Paramount, but evidently there are discussions going on right now to sell those to Apple TV. Yeah. I have to wonder what John Lasseter thinks of that because Steve Jobs was his mentor in so many different ways. So in a weird way to have his movies now being released through Apple, but well, hmm. it also goes to show you that my joke that we're going to have to call Light Diffuse the Paramount podcast because the <laughs> Mission Impossible movies are the only movies Paramount is actually going to release. <sighs> could be yeah. true. I mean, talk about a studio that has no interest. In putting out movies. Did you see the uh, Coming to America trailer? You know, yeah. it's like, come on, guys. That is money in the bank. And yet, mm-hmm. we'll see that one on, on Amazon uh, in March. So, yeah, it's wild. I, just jumping ahead on the list here, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Did you see that LeBron James thing that they, they hyped as a trailer but was really – Sort of a, what, a pitch for a sweepstakes? They're no, doing? I didn't even see, I saw him, I saw his costume, mm-hmm. which they debuted on, I think, the um, DC fandom thing a few weeks ago, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, All talk right. about it. That, we'll, we'll get into Space Jam, I think, you know, obviously before it comes out, but mm. the fact that the director and cinematographer left the movie like six weeks into shooting, mm. not the best sign, Jim, is all I'm going to say. Well, and we do have sort of a log line for this movie. Uh, in fact, as part of this teaser slash game pitch thing, he described the sequel to 96's Space Jam as, we'll be taking you in an exciting ride through Warner's most iconic characters and Bugs and I will have to battle and play some ball against an evil AI. Yeah, did you, I mean, we've talked, I think we've talked about the other IP that they're bringing into this. Including Harry Potter and uh, Batman characters, but oh my god, that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Jim. All right. Well. Well. Anyway, let's talk about the good stuff. You know, we got <laughs> June 18th, Luca, and what I've seen of that so far looks lovely. July 2nd, we've got Minions: Rise of Gru, and then Hotel Transylvania 4, which Gennady wrote it, isn't directing it, but you know, wrote it I, and is producing it. That's good enough for me, Jim. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And then jumping ahead to November, we have Encanto, Lynn Manuel, uh, yep. you know, gonna work on the score for that one. So if you look over the, the 13 different films we've just talked about here, we've got 
Eight are sequels, prequels, reboots, or based on on television series. We we got a total of five originals, and two of those uh, are Disney's, Encanto and Luca, which is coming out through Pixar. Sounds to be a tough year, and there's a lot of stuff that's supposedly going to be happening after the inauguration. We're talking about how there's supposedly... Biden's already talked about a hundred days of, you know, a mandate, a, a federal mask mandate that we have to wear masks as a country for a hundred days in an effort to knock down COVID. And the language that Biden has used is, I am not going to shut down the economy, period, but that doesn't necessarily preclude some sort of limited national shutdown. So long story short, folks, we could be stuck at home again and we could be watching even more television and Tell you what, when Drew and I get back, we will talk about the two films you probably should be be watching during the, the upcoming shutdown. All right, so you heard about this year's Academy Awards getting pushed back to April, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you know that all the the, the eligibility period has also been extended, so you're going to see things in January and February that would have typically come out before the end of the year. Uh, lots of Netflix things. There's that secret Netflix movie that with the John David Washington, who mm-hmm. was just in Tenant, mm-hmm. and Zendaya filmed like in secret during quarantine that's coming out. And so there's going to be a few, a few of those types of big prestige movies coming out in the first couple of months, which is different because you and I know all the dogs come out mm-hmm. in January. Yeah. Uh, so that's gonna... yeah. Do we know what the cutoff date is uh, for consideration? I think it's the end of February. Um, wow. I can look that up. Yeah. The 2020 Academy Awards. The ceremony was actually held on February 9th. Now, mind you, you know, because 2021, the Academy Awards are being held on April 25th. Back in the 70s, uh, the Academies were held almost that late. Uh, yeah. 71, they were held on April 15th. On in 72, they were held on April 10th. But what is unusual when it comes to the nominees for this year's best animated features, you know, a number of members of the Academy aren't going to have seen these films in theaters. They're going to have streamed them. And right. the top two contenders really Pixar Soul and Wolfwalkers. I mean, Wolfwalkers got a really, really, really limited release here in the States, right? Like, like yes. A, like yeah. a weekend? You know, it was there. in one guy's garage, Jim. You had to <laughs> know the password to get in, and but he had a lot of snacks, and so I think that they just packed him in there, and and that's how they showed it. Yeah. Okay. So have seen Soul, and as I was explaining earlier, the so have yet to see all of Wolfwalkers, but I honestly love what I've seen. Likewise, Crude's A New Age. And I, that one's particularly embarrassing because right now, I mean, that became available for streaming on the 23rd and it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. you can get this thing on Apple Prime, uh, on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google Play, Fandango Now, AMC Theaters on Demand, likewise Alamo Demand. I mean, it's, it's out there if you want to see right. it. But one quick aside here though, given that we're talking about places like Amazon and Apple, did you see the news uh, for, on December 22nd about uh, MGM? Yes. Uh, the two investment banks getting ready to you know, potentially put the studio and the film library up. And what was fascinating to me was the thing about 
which of these three guys are going to go buy this thing. And the names they put out there were the, there was Bob as in Bob Chapek at Disney. There was Tim as in Tim Cook at Apple. And then Jeff as in Jeff Bezos at Amazon. If you were a betting man, where is, this is over 4,000 film titles and 17,000 hours of television. Where do you think this is going to end up? My bet mm-hmm. is Apple. I think Amazon, I, you know, they, they don't talk about Netflix because Netflix has too much debt, so they're not going to take on 5.5 billion more. Mm-hmm. Amazon, sure, that could be. I, I don't think that Disney is interested. They were the only studio to not bid for the theatrical distribution for the 007 movies. And to me, mm-hmm. that's the big, you know, that's, that's the crown jewel of this MGM deal is the, is the James Bond franchise. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Apple, but yeah. Okay. What do you think? I, I <laughs> had an idea, but you have a much better argument. So I, I go with the default to the smarter person. So circle back to, to now to Seoul. Now you got to see Seoul a couple of times before it finally ran, debuted on, on Disney plus on yes. December 25th. Did you actually get to see it in a theater? No. No, I was almost, I was offered a chance to see Wonder Woman in a theater, but I was not in LA at the time. So okay. I did not get to see it in a theater. But, uh, yeah, I, I got to watch, I watched Soul again on Christmas Day with the family. I'm sure a lot of other people did. And, and that was, that was a lot of fun to see it without a watermark. You know, it's always mm-hmm. a blessing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. I, what, what did you think of Soul? Well, I, I kept thinking that, you know, as I was watching it and how beautifully it was designed and the wonderful concepts like the Jerry's and yep. get, get, get for that, Matt, the Terry, you know, Terry yeah. was wonderful. I kept thinking, oh man, I wish I'd seen this for the first time in a theater on the biggest possible screen because it's so beautifully designed. And, and I mean, Nancy and I are, were gifted by my nephew for Christmas, the, the state of the art Dolby soundbar. So while we were setting it up, I got my eyebrows blown off when Nancy fired the thing up. Uh, <laughs> so we got to hear it with the best possible sound that we could have in our house. But I just sort of like, I would love to have heard this score in a professional theater to be surrounded by that music and swept up in what Pete Doctor was obviously trying to do with this thing. And I just, I kind of worry that you know about the music, Jim. Oh, I am such a luddite. After I heard this thing, it's like I gotta go order the CD, and it's like, yeah. And what are you gonna play the CD, CD and Putch? You know, it's like, <laughs> you well, know, see that you there, there are two vinyl records you can get, Jim. Oh, one okay. with the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, you know, Soul World music, mm-hmm. and then the other with the John B- Batiste uh, jazz compositions. So. You might want to think about that. Okay, because recently, are you familiar with with, with Jacob Collier? The, no. You know, oh, if you, if you want to treat, head over to YouTube. This is he's a kid who just in the past couple of years has won four Grammys for his amazing work in jazz and choral. I mean, he's this amazing deconstructionist when it comes to taking standards and reinventing them with his own jazz stylings, and that was a thing to to have spent a couple of days deep in into that and then to get to sit back and watch Soul and hear 
the wonderful jazz that had been created for that film. It was just, it was like <laughs> double desserts. It was, it, right. it was such, such a treat. And having really enjoyed that film, as we head into a late start to the Academy Award consideration season, I would honestly really prefer if, when it came down to it this time around, Wolf Walkers took the Best Animated Feature Award, largely because, A, I think it would mean more to Tom Moore and that studio. Um, yes. Also, to be honest, you know, anything that would put more wind in the sails for hand-drawn animation, because it is such a spectacular-looking film. I mean, yeah. they, they are two very, very different animals. Pixar has been recognized for its efforts multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I'm sure there are other great Pixar films coming. In fact, Luca looks amazing. Well, um, this year we could get two Pixar movies up for the award if Onward also gets nominated. Yeah, yeah. I have to let you know I did. I gifted two friends of ours uh, copies of Onward. Oh, yay. Uh, because yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful book, you know, written by a really nice guy. But, <laughs> It's yeah, I mean, of, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting crop because you have, on the Netflix side of things, you have Willoughby's and Over the Moon, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I think could both get a nomination. And then you have, you know, there's there were two DreamWorks movies this year, too. DreamWorks also has a short film in contention mm-hmm. this year, which is sort of exciting. And, you know, never underestimate G-Kids, Jim, no. and the release of Lupin the Third. The first, which, you know, I loved and mm-hmm. I think is on VOD now, so everyone Ooh. should watch that. It's just going to be a really interesting crop. And I, you know what? I'm going to boldly proclaim that I think Soul will get a Best Picture nomination. So Really? Yes, okay. I think it will be the fourth animated feature to get a Best Picture nomination. Okay, but are we still in ten nominees country when we do that? Or? We are in, well, it doesn't have to be ten. It's sort mm-hmm. of a odd bat you know it can be between five and ten mm-hmm. depending on the way the votes come in so we'll I, see i could be happy with that I, right. I i genuinely could given the impressive narrative ambition there um, even though you you spoiled it for yourself like six months ago by reading the book it's an art of book i didn't know i'd get sick yeah right there. yeah right Ugh. all right Speaking of well-written things, I wanted to let you folks know that Drew has been busy and has another wonderful piece up on Collider that you really, really have to check out. This went up on the 22nd, right? That This is a... Don't ask how I even did this one, Jim, because... I I have to admit, given (laughs) as busy as you've been, you know, in December, how many words was this one? This one was, quote-unquote, only... 5,500 gems. So, you know, this is, this is like a breezy afternoon stroll compared to some of my other ones. So. Well, all right. And uh, I guess we should mention the film you wrote about, which was Emperor's New Groove. And to add a, a little personal history here, when I started writing for the internet, my very first article uh, was November of 1998. Just had a rehab a- and. <laughs> This is part of your work release. There we go. That's right. You know, know, it had to keep the ankle bracelet on. Yes. But yeah, I did a review of Michael Eisner's uh, work in progress. The thing that got me launched and and writing for the internet. But during the same time, I have friends who are working 
add feature animation out in Burbank. And it's, it's in this exact same window of time that Kingdom of the Sun is, is crashing and burning. I must have written about this film over the next two years. It was finally released in uh, December of 2000. I, I must have done a dozen more articles. In fact, what was so funny today when I was, you know, trying to get the dates and the times right. So I go over to Wikipedia just to check things and literally the very first story on Wikipedia is out of the a hundred or more things that they cite is an article I wrote in 2004. <laughs> so it's I like, Oh God, don't listen to that idiot. You know, but, so it was particularly delightful to get your take on this because you got stories I'd never heard before. This is always my goal, Jim. This is always my goal to illuminate some dark corner of Disney animation history that even you have not even heard. That's my goal every time. And again, I don't want to give the whole thing away. You really have to go over to Collider and read this thing. Can you talk about how Roger, it was Eisner who actually assigned Roger Allers, you know, kind of the, the, the starting point, right? Yeah. I mean, from what he says, and this is in the, the documentary, The Sweatbox, which we, you know, you and I cannot recommend enough. And it's, it's actually on YouTube right now. Is it uh, really? Yeah, oh. it's been up for five months. So watch it now before they take it down. I even know the executive <laughs> that personally pulls these things down. So I haven't told him it's up. Um, okay. so, and I will not tell him it's up. So go on there and, and watch it right now. But he, he said that, that Eisner came to that, to him and said, you did Africa, can you do something with mm. South America? Mm. So, obviously, they found the whitest guy in the building and uh, <laughs> had him go about doing that. <laughs> they go to South America, they, they do the tour, and they come back with, eventually they settle on kind of an Incan take on Prince and the Pauper, right? You, you yeah, we have... I mean, this is how I think the story went. And Jim, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. See, this is the problem. And, and you know, Randy Fulmer tells this great story about how he was pitching the movie for an entire plane ride. From no, I, I, I love that. I love that. You know, in a town where you have to have an elevator pitch. Yeah. You got 30 seconds, if that, to sell your movie. The fact that Randy was on a plane flight from L.A. to New York and and only finished telling the story to his seatmate like five minutes before they touched down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, th- and that's the moment. Randy realized, maybe we got too much story, but all right. Well, and, and, so it had the Prince and Popper thing mm-hmm. where it was, it was a emperor or a soon to be emperor played by David Spade who switches mm-hmm. places with a commoner played by Owen Wilson. Right. Then there was the Isma was there, but she was kind of a very vain character who hated the sun. And you can actually go on YouTube and listen to her song, which was pretty much animated by Andreas Deja. Um, and he loved it because he got, he said that he got to do this great camp character, you know, that he had never done before. And then there's a talking sort of idol, a stone idol. Do you want to talk about that character? Waka, yes. Waka, yeah. yeah. In fact, he's actually like, Honestly, out of this version of the film, he's my favorite character. I mean, the idea is he's this talisman that every single emperor of the Incas, he's been sort of the right-hand man, the, the advisor. And we finally get to Manco. That was the name of the character of, in... That was the King- Cusco character. Yeah. 
And he just dismisses the character. So Huaca ends up now advising Yzma. And Harvey Firestein had done the voice of Yao for Mulan. He was a member of the Gang of Three, the the, the soldiers that, you know, first give Mulan a bad time in, in camp, but then become her, her loyalist friends in the army. And the thing was that Harvey, you know, every time he came in, he made every scene funnier. He Everything they gave Yao to do got better and better. And so when they're wrapping that project up in late spring of, of 98 and Harvey's heading out the door, it's like, no, 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 we like working with him. We want to hang on to him. So as they're gearing up Kingdom of the Sun, they give him Quacka. Can you tell the story about when the film's in trouble and as they do when things get scary you know, at studios, they make weird decisions. Can, can you talk about who they, they were potentially going to replace Harvey as the voice of Hawaka with? Yeah, so one of the stories in my article is sort of how Don Hahn was kind of a backup producer on this thing. And so when it went into chaos, he kind of got motivated, and he, he's, he called Arnold Schwarzenegger's people and asked them about voicing the character because I think what he was trying to tell me was that they were looking at any angle to make this movie cool or sellable at all, yeah. right? Like, they just want, you know, they're shoveling buckets of water out of the sinking ship trying to get some levity in there. So, yeah, that was something I had never heard before, that's for sure. What would happen is it would be Friday afternoon, and a friend who was right in the middle of all this, and he would talk about how we were just today in a meeting where we're working on Kingdom of the Sun and somebody, one of the research people came in and mentioned that you understand that the story is set prior to the invention of the wheel. You know, and it's like, I can't help but notice you've got Banco is riding in a cart and it's not authentic. We have to take all the carts out of the movie. They got so in the weeds with the research and so, you know, they lost their way. In fact, please talk about what happened with Chris Williams, a director of Zootopia and Moana, right? Yeah. He co-directed uh, Moana. He directed big hero six. He has go. a movie okay. that he's working on on Netflix right now mm. about a sea monster. Mm. You hear the people talk about this amazing pitch that Chris Williams did where he basically boarded a sequence mm. that took out everything, but what, what ended up in Emperor's new groove. So you had the llama, you had Cusco, you know, you had all this stuff and the Roger Allers, approved this pitch i mean he said go ahead and do it but the response to it was so great that it led to this insane bake-off scenario which is another thing that i learned about from randy and mark dindal which is that they each they were co-directors on the movie and then they were separated and forced to pitch their own version of the movie and so mark pitched his version with Chris Williams, you know, and it was more comedic and more streamlined. Mm-hmm. And Roger was still hanging on to too many different story threads, and they obviously did not choose his. But <sighs> I had never heard that story either, and that really blew me away. And what I love about this article is you did a wonderful job talking with all the folks who worked on it, but also it's kind of a twofer because you, you also stress – why people need to seek out the sweatbox, Trudy Styler's right. I mean, the one-two punch that Roger experienced in this, this movie. Can, can you talk about what happened in the side, inside of 24 hours to this poor man? Yeah, he went and dropped his daughter off at college on the East Coast and came back to work on that Monday and was fired 
from the movie. So he talks a lot in this documentary about, you know, that kind of like profound sadness and uh, of saying goodbye. And, and, you know, I get a lot, I get into the sting of it all mm-hmm. in the article pretty in depth because a lot of people had, you know, good stories about sting, but in the documentary, you see Randy calling sting and essentially firing sting. <laughs> and, you know, I think he told me that sting tried to quit five more times after that. And he was just, he just did not acknowledge that sting was trying to quit. So, I love how you talk about how Mark Dindle actually explained where the comic style of the film came from. And, and basically, what, it, it's from his mother's trip to Sears on Saturday, right? Yeah. He didn't have a color TV, so he would go with his mom to Sears on Saturday morning. And he and his brother would just sit in front of the bank of color TVs for the hour or so while his mother shopped. And they would just watch Looney Tunes. And he said, he brings up this this review, which I couldn't find the exact review, but he said, you know, that there was a review that said it was the most Warner Brothers cartoon Disney ever made. Mm-hmm. And he loved that. You know, he loved that review. But yeah, that whole sensibility, which is just so different and so unique to Emperor's New Groove, came from such an organic, emotional place. And I think that's why it works so well. I mean, they talk about how, you know, one of my favorite things that Mark says mm-hmm. is that that movie's wacky sensibilities come from a real place, a real emotional place, and that's why they work so well, I think. I don't know. Do you like the movie, Jim? I know. I, I love the film. I, I love the fact that they, they would break the fourth wall at, at regular interviews. Uh, likewise, Patrick Warburton's wonderful word, work is crunk. And you have this wonderful quote in the story about Tom Schumacher at one point it says, look, I have to go across the street and tell Michael Eisner that uh, we spent $40 million on this so far, and we don't have a movie. So when it was finally done, this thing cost Disney $100 million to make, and it only sold uh, 169 worth of tickets worldwide, a, a million worth of tickets worldwide. So it wasn't exactly a financial success, but over time, it really has it, it's acquired it sort of a second life, uh, going to become yes. a cult favorite. And it's so weird to watch it bubble up in pop culture. You know, the, I can't tell you the number of times I've come across people doing that, pull the leather crunk, that kind of Eartha Kit thing. But David Spade tells a wonderful story about why they had to change his character's name from Manco to Kuzco. How would, how do you want to thread the needle here? He, well, you know. we know Ava is listening, Jim, and we cannot, we cannot this work is, blue, this you know, is with true. her listening. So, but actually, it's it's the second half of that story that that I especially love because it's wasn't the offensive thing in Japanese that made them decide to change the name. It was what Manko meant in Turkish. Right, he said it means bad movie in Turkish, and they didn't want that, <laughs> which is very funny. I I agree, I agree. So, well, anyway, Emperor's New Groove holds up beautifully, great fun today, and this is a great fun story. And we've only just skim the surface of of what Drew's uncovered. So if you, you know, again, if you you want to get the, the really good juicy stuff, head on over to Collider. This piece was pull up, uh, published on December 22nd and still well worth reading. And, I, okay, I guess that's going to do it for our last show of 2020. Oh, um, we're so sad to see it go, Jim. Oh, no. Yes. 
Uh, and now, uh, but again, this is, of course, not the only podcast that you do. And, uh, it, you know, I, I remember on the last show, you weren't entirely sure what Light the Fuse was up to. Do we, we have a better <laughs> handle on what's going on right now? Or? No, I don't, Jim. But um, I, I do know that we are going, I mean, I think that our Light the Wick miniseries starts in January, in late January. So okay. that is something that we are very, very excited about. Before we step away from Mission Impossible, I do have to ask yes. one question. Cause obviously, the, some news broke, you know, while we were away. We, you know, that piece of audio of, yes. of Tom, Tom on the set of Mission Impossible 7. I've never gotten um, more text messages, Jim, in my life than. Really? <laughs> it was like Princess Diana had died. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, there was just so many people texting me about it. But I get it. I get why you'd be behind that. And in fact, what he was saying about we can't get sloppy about COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he, I mean, I think he could have been nicer about it certainly and, mm-hmm. and used softer language, but those movies cost a half a million dollars a day to shoot. So yeah. who's gonna, I mean, do you want to be responsible for shutting that down? I mm-hmm. certainly don't. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that the intent, but that no, no, no. Audio was to make him look bad, but I think a lot of people just said, you know what? He's right. Like, no, you know. no, that's it exactly. And they're back to work. I guess Christmas break was over yesterday. So they're, yep. they're back on set now. Just trying to get this thing done and get it done right for the, that November 19th, 2021 release date. So let us pray. All right. Please be sure to go check out uh, Light the Fuse or, or more to the point, you know, keep an eye out for Light the Wick starting in January. And by the way, we also have some fun podcasts here at the, the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta, uh, just recorded a brand new Mud Marvel Us Disney with Aaron Adams yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be recording my last, uh, looking at Livisil with Dan Z tomorrow night. And I just did a brand new I Want That with, in fact, that went up today, uh, with Shelly Valladolid and going to be doing a new uh, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse later this week. So, got a lot of shows headed your way. But tell you what, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you get ahead over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, again, not only fine-tuning, but if you could also uh, put a review in there for, uh, you know, Light the Fuse, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, and if you really, really, really like what you're here tonight, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. Just if you are not following Drew on social media, you are just missing out. It is just so much fun. Make sure they get the spelling right, okay? Yeah, it's like it's Drew tailored like a tailored shirt. Jim is right. I do have a lot of fun on my Twitter, and you can see me go through all my old stuff, which is what I've been. <laughs> did you see my uh, Roger Rabbit button I found, Jim? I did. I did. You yeah. Know, that, that, uh, so that was Disney Break ninety. Was that? Yeah. So it was a spring break. I guess, promo thing from 1990. And it has a really cool image of Roger Rabbit that I love. And I was just so excited to find that button. So mm-hmm. this is the kind of great content you can okay. look forward well, to. <laughs> seriously, check that out, folks. Uh, meanwhile, Nancy would like me to remind you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and then on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And thanks for listening. Uh, on behalf of Mr. Taylor, you know, thanks for hanging with us in 2020 and here's hoping, 
you know, 2021 has to be even better, right, Drew? I think so. Well, regardless, we're going to be talking about animated movies. So, you know, just come back. We'll be here every (laughs) week, whether we like it or not. We'll be here. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a ringing endorsement. All right. Okay. Talk to you later, folks.